Oh, Trixie, I wish I had headphones for you. We could listen to hound sounds together. You're listening to Hound Sounds, telling stories great and small of dogs around the world. Hello, I'm Kate Vall, and this is Hound Sounds, a collection of first-hand true stories about dogs and people. So this is our very first podcast, Every Dog Knows. Stephen Bennett and I discovered the amazing power of the dog's nose with help from dogs and owners in Ham in Surrey and dog-loving rhinologist Dr Simon Gain. I remember we would be walking along and she would suddenly stop still and if you've ever tried to move a bull terrier that doesn't want to be moved it's very very difficult and you just had to wait until she'd read the morning papers on the on the lamppost and knew who was doing what and there's probably sort of several days of information to catch up on and when she was finished then she'd happily walk along beside you but otherwise she wouldn't squibbles that's what she's after she's looking for the smell of squibbles or chocolate or biscuits Food, really. Food and dead things, you know, dead fish and things like that, you know. She will tell me about fox trails and she will tell me about, I believe, the badgers. She'll sniff the air and then she'll go to it, and um, especially if it's butter or something that she particularly likes. A sense of smell is really about detecting molecules. So molecules are sort of strings of atoms put together. And for humans, at least, we know that they need to be of a certain size, quite small. So you need a small molecule, it needs to be volatile, so it needs to be moving around in the air, it can't be a solid or a liquid. My name is Simon Gain, I'm um, ear, nose and throat specialist registrar at the Royal National Throat, Nose and Ear Hospital. I'm an ENT surgeon, but my special interest is in rhinology, so that's not the study of rhinos, it's the study of noses. My special interest within that is in smell, olfaction. Human and dog noses aren't so different. We rely on a lot of the same physiology. But dogs do better in a number of ways, in humans and in dogs. What we think of is of our nose is the little bit that sticks out at the front. But actually, in humans, it's um, a roughly prismatic-shaped space going all the way back from the tip of your nose to between your ears. Same with the dogs. Those little, the cute little wet black button things on the front of their nose, that's not the nose, that's just the entrance. The rest of the snout is devoted to either moving air in and out or sensing what's in that air. It's very corrugated inside the nose. You can smell rabbits and foxes and cats and things like that. Benches and grass and um, trees and corners and (laughs) a lot of different things. It's fascinating to me how it's such a powerful sense in humans, and yet we disregard it completely, almost completely. So we live in a world that we don't even recognise, and the dogs are going to be much more in tune with this and much more aware of what's going on. The dog's name's Bentley, and he's a beagle. You know, more than a lot of other dogs, they track and everything like that, and he can smell food from a fair distance, which you'll go and sort of find. His nose is always going, and when he tilts his head back like that you can sort of see he's he's picked up something and where it is you don't know and he will go and find it. Dogs are really clever, there are a number of things that they can do to make use of this. They divert the stream of air, most of the air that comes in is for breathing. 
but in the nasal anatomy they divert a separate stream up into the olfactory area where it sits and sort of allows the contents of that stream to percolate through the mucus to these receptors and to be then identified and processed. So they're sampling each sniff all the time, um, not just breathing it in and trying to catch stuff that they're breathing in. My dog is called Maud. She's a cross between a bull mastiff and an Akita. She'd go up to anyone. She'd go up to humans, other dogs, and she'd just sort of pass a human and have a sniff and, or another dog and have a sniff, but, you know, she, just, she does like to investigate. That characteristic shape of the dog nose with the little slits on the side, and the, so the holes in the front are for breathing in. But when you breathe out as a dog through those side slits, that's where the exhalation mostly goes. So they exhale through the side slits to leave more space for new fresh scents to come in through the front. So they're constantly sampling new air rather than breathing out and then breathing that back in again straight away. You're listening to Hound Sounds, telling stories great and small of dogs around the world. Hound Sounds is supported by Lily's Kitchen, who make proper food for pets, especially mouth-watering meals for deserving dogs. The other reason that dogs are so good at smelling that humans aren't is that we've stood up on our hind legs. All the smells are down on the ground. Bloodhounds with those droopy faces and long ears, the theory is that that droopy face and long ears disturbs the ground and allows the heavier smell molecules to get up so they can get more information. And some people say if we were down on the ground sniffing all the time, our sense of smell would be much more apparently good. Up here where we are at the moment, there's not a lot of smelling to be done. You need very, very light molecules to get up this high. The heavy molecules that have a lot of the information that you might be interested in are down on the ground, but no one wants to stick their nose down there. A human. My dog is called Toby and he's a Yorkshire Terrier. The walk for him is not just going out for a walk, it's mainly to smell and enjoy himself. He's a King Charles Cavalier. They're bred to go out and retrieve game and so on, so they've got very good noses. He can smell things we can't, so I don't know what he's smelling. Sometimes you'll find a patch of grass or bushes that are irresistible and they'll both go for it and spend quite a lot of time there. But as to what it is, I, I'm clueless because we can't smell like they can. There's nothing obvious to see. Their smell life is as rich as our visual life is. So for a thing to have a smell, it must be shedding these small molecules. It doesn't have to be much, but to smell anything, some parts of that thing, or interactions of that thing with the environment of making small molecules that can be detected by the smell system. So they're in the air, they then get sucked into the nose and the process starts. My dog's called Bella and she's a border collie. She really likes sniffing, she sniffs a lot. She stops and sniffs everything, just walking on the way to the park, anything really. She's very interested in a ball or a stick, so she doesn't bother with many other animals. But she smells them coming, and then she starts guarding her ball or her stick, whatever she's got. She smells them. Florence is a Labrador Collie cross. My parents have got a place in Wiltshire. When you're about 
a mile from the house, she starts sniffing really loudly and getting really excited. She knows we're getting there. And people in the car say, what's wrong? Is she going to be sick? And it's like, no, she's sniffing. She's breathing in the country air. This is probably a three-dimensional picture that she's building up. If we think about the ability of tracking dogs to work out which direction a track is being laid just by a couple of sniffs, you can tell how old things are, who's been here and who's come back, and probably overlaying that where they have come from. If they've come from an area that smells different, they will have been tracking those molecules with them and they'll be coming off their scent trail. So it's amazingly complex information. Sometimes I sit and think about what it must be like to be in this immensely rich world. And you can't, as a human, really avoid putting it in visual terms. I mean, they probably would be able to tell me what I had for lunch, what I had for lunch yesterday even, what I'm breathing out. You can tell sometimes if someone's had garlic last night, they could tell you, you know, if you had carrots or how healthy, how your chest was, whether you had a cold and nose infection where you'd been in the past 24 hours, other dogs you'd seen and said hello to. The amount, the abilities that they've been shown to have are just outstanding. <laughs> so if you want to make your nose more like a dog's, if you want to see what it is that the dog is smelling, so to speak, then there are a couple of things that you can do. Probably one of the first things that humans can do is just think, be aware of your sense of smell and concentrate more on it. And that's how we train perfumers, enologists, anybody, flavor technicians, anybody who works with a sense of smell. They just repeat and practice over and over again. The other thing you can do to make your nose more dog-like is to get down on all fours. That's where the smells are. My dog is called Toby, but he won't shut up. He, he always uh, shouts when there is someone talking to me. You appreciate that? <laughs> okay, yeah. Every Dog Knows was produced by Stephen Bennett and me, Kate Barl, with music and mixing by Chris O'Shaughnessy. Other Hound Sound pack members are Beth Clayton, Dom Rorty and Andy Pritchard, and our editor is Kate Bland. If you think you've got a great dog story and you want to join the pack at Hound Sounds, please get in touch from wherever you are in the world. There are details on the Hound Sounds website, houndsounds.co.uk. Hound Sounds.